Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It was a bridal veil. And it said bride, it was very cute. It said bride to be. And I walked outside and it blew away. Not it blew away. It blew blew away. away. I was like, oh no. I spent a lot of time shopping for that. The bell was like, bye, bitch. You ain't getting married. We heard this for seven years. You tell everybody this goddamn lie with that fake ass ring. I'm like, good for hell. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our Friday Housewives edition. But I don't think it's going to be just Friday Housewives for too long. Actually, I know it's not because um, the trailer for Vanderpump Rules just got dropped. Listen, I'm going to rock with that show until the wheels fall off, so I'm a little bit biased. But I do recognize the last few seasons have not been fun. We haven't been having that great of a time. However, check out the trailer. You might want to hop back on, you guys. You can check it out probably anywhere. But you know what? I'm going to drive traffic to myself, okay? So you can check it out on uh, the Everyone's Business But Mine Instagram. It looks the fuck good, you guys. I'm sorry. And I saw a lot of people who were like, I don't like this show anymore. But I'm going to watch now. So, yeah. That's our announcement. It premieres February 8th, which I believe is Wednesday. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to put it in the Friday slot when it comes. I'm very excited. Uh, What do we have to get into? Any news before we get into the show? Um, If you didn't listen to my Monday episode, head on over to the Bravo and Cocktails Instagram to see what appears to be Giselle Bryant on a date with Jason from Winterhouse, and yeah, like I have talked about this before, but still doesn't really make sense to me in my mind. At one point, Giselle says in the episode that what she's looking for a man is a man who can make her laugh, and uh, she whispers, "Has a big dick." And then I thought, have I? Has Jason ever made me laugh? Well, congrats to you, Giselle, on the other part, because that must be what it is. Anyway, um, what else? Oh, Ashley. I also talked about how Ashley and Luke definitely broke up, uh, but we didn't really get the details. However, she was on Watch What Happens Live, and y'all, I think she's, like, kind of genuinely bummed about it. Like, we've seen Ashley. She can keep a poker face, for sure. She can make things seem light and bright when, you know, it's Michael's milky eyes that we're looking into. You know what I mean? However, I don't know. I was catching a tinge and a twitch of sadness when she talks about this, but she says that, yeah, after three months, she and Luke have broken up and that basically we can blame Michael for it. And I was going to anyway. So thank you for confirming that. 
So she tells Andy, it's not really about Luke, but Michael and I just have a hard time period with co-parenting and separating and that Luke has been a trooper. It's my situation with Michael that affects Luke and I. And like I said, he was a trooper, but ultimately it's just not there. Um, She said, you know, we went up to Minnesota. I met his family. I fell in love with them. And then she says, this is my first relationship after, you know that man. And, you know, it's just nice to be reminded that I'm that girl. I love to love. I love to be loved and give me all the love. So it sounds like they actually had something like deep and I actually feel bad for Ashley. And I just feel bad that that man, you know, is going to continue to curse the rest of her life. Cause we have to be honest. That's what's going to happen. So sorry to you, girl. Sorry to you. And sorry to me because I really wanted to see her in the Hamptons or up in Vermont. Is that where they are? Vermont. Yeah. At Winter House. I would have loved to have seen that. That would have really made my life. And so, in a way, we've all been cheated by Michael. But let's get into the latest episode of Potomac. And uh, what? It's Ashley's birthday, 34th birthday episode. They're planning a trip to Mexico. I just came back from Mexico. I was literally like 30 minutes away from where they were staying. And oh... I got to go on more vacations, you guys. It really gave me the the itch, the bug. But anyway, things are not great, okay? <laughs> the girls are fighting. Different people are fighting with different people. Candace isn't fucking with Giselle right now. Ashley's and Candace, I guess, are probably not fucking with each other. Uh, it's just a lot going on. Sharice and Karen, you know, that whole thing. And so the dynamic is bad. Somehow... Despite all of this, Ashley and Karen decide that Wendy has more beefs with that Earl. People have more beefs with Wendy than anybody else. So they decide to go in two separate groups. So Candace and the rest of the gang are going to be together. And then Ashley, Wendy, and Karen are going to go first. So that way they can avoid, avoid any sort of drama. You would think, right? Wrong. But before we head off to Mexico, we see Giselle in the car. She calls Robin and they have a pretty serious conversation about the fact that Giselle's situation with her uh, lady parts aren't really growing, going that girl. Wow. Why can't I speak? They're not, they're not working out. Okay. And so she's got a lot of issues with her fibroids. They're getting too large. They have to have, she has to have a full hysterectomy and it's like a struggle. You're, like, what is my body going to look like? Am I going to feel different? Am I going to be able to walk? What is sex going to be like? That whole thing. She also has never been sick before. And I kind of think about this too. I've never broken a bone. I never had to be in the hospital. I've never like, that's just not an experience I've ever had to have. And so I feel like when it comes to like, something's going to happen to me at some point, right? Right. And I feel like that would be very um, a hard thing to deal with, to be like, oh, God, I'm like sitting up in this hospital. I I just think it would be a very difficult transition. So I was rocking with Giselle on that. But then she like completely left, went left and was like, oh, let's talk shit about Karen. And why is it that she can't be uh, friends with Sharice? Why are we acting like this is a new thing? Why are we acting like, oh, my God, now immediately right now we have to address this when they haven't been friends for years but Giselle is like acting like this is a personal mission for her and it's it's so lame it's so lame so it starts off like Giselle feels some type of way personally because Karen didn't invite her to Karen's live show and why why couldn't she do that? Why couldn't she just invite her? She invited everybody, even Jacqueline, even Katie. They were on the group chat. So why couldn't it possibly be that Karen wouldn't... She doesn't like her. It's very clear. She didn't like her yesterday. She didn't like her six weeks ago. She didn't like before she put that mic pack on. She didn't like her the last time Sharice put the mic pack off. How many years ago? Okay. So why are we... Why is this a shock to you? And here's something that I would like to say. I think there's a difference between a producer and an operator. And I think Giselle is an operator. Who I think is a producer, I would say uh, Garcelle. Okay. Kyle is an operator. Kenya, also a producer. Marlo, operator. It's just like, it's a difference, but it's there, you know? 
And I give Marlo a pass because she's funny to me and I just, she's just my problematic fave and that's my truth. But the rest of them I find annoying because it's just so obvious. Like you're not even, you know, trying to play to my intelligence by making it seem like you're really working. Like this is an innocent thing. No, it's so obvious what you're doing that I just like, I don't like it. And then after acting like she has no idea why Karen might not like Sharice, they talk about how fucking funny it is to them, tee hee hee, that Sharice pettily, in my opinion, sent this uh, picture or video rather of Mia and Karen with their titties out, excuse me, their boobs out, and sent it in a group chat and was like, oh, ha ha ha, I found this, it keeps popping up on my phone, I think I should delete it, <laughs> but I just sent it to all eight of you guys all at once, oh, isn't that funny, T? Giselle is responding, oh no, I think you should keep the file, Candace is speaking for me and the rest of the world, I think, which is ma'am, with a crying laughing emoji, because this shit is messy, and then Jacqueline's like, oh, uh, Karen, how did I get trapped into this situation? Blah, blah, blah. Here you are dancing with Barbie titties, meaning uh, Mia. Karen responds by saying, love this, me and Janet Jackson. And then we see a flashback where Candace tells everybody, uh, actually, Karen called me after this and she was pissed the fuck off about that video. And then in the group chat, Karen responds, by the way, ladies, please do not refer to my breasts as titties. The word boobs works for me. Have a great night, ladies. So now Giselle, why can't I speak? Giselle is claiming that she wants to go full Nancy Drew and get down to why Karen and Sharice don't fuck with each other. One, she's nosy and we could have just kept it at one, but she also tries to be like sentimental and is like, no, for real, back in the day, we all had fun, the three of us, and we kicked it together and I would really like that back. Okay, well, why are you playing these shitty games then to Karen? Why are you doing it? Even Karen's trying to be cool because she says in a confessional, I, you know, listen, this is Ashley's birthday. I can be nice to Sharice as long as she doesn't fuck with me. More on that later. Robin has a scene with her family that we did not need, frankly. Should I talk about it? No. Am I going to? Yeah. So basically she has this tailor come over to help get the boys fitted for their suits for the upcoming wedding question mark between she and Juan, her uh, ex-fiance slash ex-husband slash fiance. She says once she got the prenup conversation out of the way with Juan, she's feeling a lot better. She's excited about planning the wedding. And so they're planning something for 40 days out. Okay. Did this happen? Don't think so. So they have this guy come and, uh, fit them for their tuxes. I don't, I don't care. I don't give a shit. Honestly, like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't think this happened. And you know, that kind of speaks to moving forward. I don't think I'm going to talk about like after the Salt Lake finale, I don't think I'm going to talk about the reunion because what, what am I talking about? You know, we don't find out what happens with the black eye that has been confirmed and Jen's not there. What, what's there that could easily be, um, seven minutes with commercials and let's move on. To an, a large size episode of family karma. That's what they should have done. And just like, keep it pushing. So, you know, if there's something that comes up, can't imagine what the fuck it would be. Then maybe I'll talk about it on Monday's episode. But anyway, back to Potomac. And I would even say like, Oh, if this happened, then I'll eat my hat. But we know it didn't happen. Right. Because we know they got their marriage license back in August. They have until February. I mean, wouldn't we know if they had filed it and like officially got it done? I don't know how marriage license work, but it feels like we would know this information. Anyway, let's go over to Mia's house. I'm very confused. I've now watched this episode twice. I don't really understand what's going on, but she's talking to Gordon at first in this first scene, you know, making plans and trying to get him to fill in with the kids because she's about to go on this Mexico trip. Right. And then she brings up Jacqueline and some issues that she's been having with regard to Jacqueline and childcare. So Mia explains that Jacqueline's sister is her nanny and that on occasion, if Jacqueline needs help with her kids, Mia will just be like, Hey, have them come over and hang with the kids, my children. And it's no problem. Mia says 
once in a while is totally okay, but apparently Jacqueline has been abusing the system lately and she's now getting tired of it, basically. Um, so more on that later. So finally, we're on the plane to Mexico. Ashley starts talking a little bit about how she's, you know, kind of nervous to see what her future's like, what it's going to be like on the other side of life without that deranged, milky-eyed man. And, well, okay. I mean, it could have been Luke, but it's not. Anyway, um, I would just like to say that you guys, I love that we have collectively as a family decided we don't want Sharice. We reject her in Jesus name. And people are so thorough in their rejection of Sharice that they have done their own research and found that the dress that she wore to Mexico was the same dress that she wore in season two. And they are really going in on her because you're purporting yourself to be Miss Champagne Room, the baddest bitch in Potomac. And here you are recycling, you know, a dress that you had seven years ago. I mean, it's just not giving fabulous to me especially with the denim jacket, but you know, I'm not the one who found it. I'm just the one who laughed at it. So then we find out that some shit went down on that plane. But Robin says in a confessional, she was on the other side of the aisle. She was doing her best to hear, um, you know, I guess she didn't have any of her technology that she pulled out earlier this season, but from what she could gather, Mia and Jacqueline are not in a good place. We get a cartoon, uh, re- imaging of the airplane and the heads where everybody was sitting. So Cherise happened to be sitting in between me and Jacqueline. And you know what? Cherise really has middle seat energy. Like, you know, she takes up that middle seat and she's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, cause I have two, the two things on both sides. She puts both of her arms on them and nobody has any room. And it's so uncomfortable for both people in the aisle and the window. You know that that's, that's, she has middle seat energy. That's what it is. Anyway, it was something along the lines that Jacqueline and Mia were getting into it about the kids. Jacqueline says at one point it takes a village and Mia says to Jacqueline, you're not raising your children right. So then we hear Mia explaining all this and says that it really started back at Karen's live show. So apparently the nanny called, Jacqueline's sister called Gordon looking for Jacqueline's kids. And Mia felt some type of way about her calling Gordon, asking her about somebody else's children. So she was like, why don't you ask Jacqueline? Those are her kids, right? So then we see Jacqueline's side of things, which is that Mia accused her of not communicating effectively. And then Mia went into all the things that Jacqueline does right and wrong with regard to her kids. Then we get back to Mia, who says that she told Jacqueline, yo, your kids are not my responsibility. To which Jacqueline responded, It takes a village to raise your family, but you wouldn't know anything about that. So Mia felt like Jacqueline was jabbing at her for not having a family growing up. And then she took that shit personally. I don't understand what Mia's mad about, like at all. I don't, because at the end of the day, these is Jacqueline's sister. What does it matter if... There are more kids there. Like, why do you, why does that bother you so much? I don't know. I guess I just feel like if that's Jacqueline's sister at the end of the day, like, I I guess I just don't see what the issue is with Mia. But I never do. So why start now, you know? And even though Wacklin says goofy shit all the time, I don't really know if I buy into the fact that she was trying to be like, oh, bitch, you don't have a family. I, I don't know if that's what, I wouldn't have interpreted it that way. I don't know. Anyway, then we go to Ashley's room. She's unpacking what I'm sure is like, it was a bunch of like dildos and bullets and vibrating things. Probably things that she just had in her, well, she and Michael just had in their closet, just taking up space. So why not give them to the girls? You know, you get a vibrator, you get a vibrator screaming to herself like Oprah. Anyway, So then Karen comes over to her room to help with the welcome gifts. They're going to be bringing everybody different stuff. And then she's like, you know, remember how Giselle said that she wanted to figure out how she could also get a car from Mia like Jacqueline was? Well, I went down to the dollar store and got her flashlight (laughs) so that maybe Mia can do some inspecting on her pussy. I mean, my God, best show on, on Bravo. I also am obsessed with the fact that Karen has really taken the wheel on 
dogging Robin at every opportunity she could possibly get about the fact she will not be marrying Juan Dixon. Not going to happen. It's been seven years and it's not going to happen anytime soon. She says, she pulls out her special gift for Robin and says, I'm trying to send out a smoke signal and just pulls out a veil that says bride to be. And I think we should make, let the record reflect that Ashley forgot her special gift to Sharice and Karen was the one who was like, oh, you should try to get her a bottle of champagne. That's actually nice and something that she would like. So score one point for Karen for not trying to be too petty. Then the ladies meet downstairs and Karen surprises Ashley with like a little birthday, welcome drinks, cocktail appetizer kind of thing i love that she threw shade at mia by saying you know when it's somebody's birthday and you're on a trip it's really important that you celebrate their birthday immediately so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle then Mia's still being petty about Jacqueline, and she's like oh i don't want to sit at the same table at her next to the devil and then at first mia's trying to play it off like oh you know we're just sisters we fight every day this happens every day and uh mia's like no this is actually the worst fight we've ever had. And then Mia tells a story about how that's actually not the worst fight they've ever had. Because one time during high school, Jacqueline was trying to copy homework off of Mia and Mia said no. And so Jacqueline tried to throw a brick at her head. So Jacqueline just like, that was 20 years ago. Okay. We haven't had a bad fight like this in a while. Um, so then Jacqueline goes off and is like, you know, Mia has a tendency to turn on people. And Mia goes, uh, no, excuse me. Jacqueline says, I think Mia just needs some dick. More dick. Where the hell did we, how did we get from child rearing to this? What are we talking about? Both of them are weird as hell. And frankly, they deserve each other. The fact that we're having to be exposed to like the weirdo dynamics that's going on between them. Ugh. No, thank you. Pass. Candace lifting her sunglasses over her head to get a better look being like, wait, who wants dick? What's going there? So then Mia goes, okay, you want to go there? You want to talk about all your dicks? Don't try me, girl. You're feeling yourself a little too much and you need to back down. And this is what I've been saying about Mia and how she's been treating Wacklin this whole time. She's been treating her like a little Jan Brady, like, oh, you're my pet. I'm going to bring you onto the show, but you better kiss the ring and not do too much. And, you know, I'm going to get to like talk shit about you and act like you're a little my, my little puppy dog and I'm buying you a Porsche and my husband does so much for you and blah, blah, blah. She brought Jacqueline on here to be the bad bitch. Billy the bad bitch. And I don't like it. That's weird. And it's mean. And it's not friendship. So when Jacqueline tells Mia to back down, Mia goes, okay, well, why don't you close your legs to married men, bitch? <laughs> and Sharice is just like, married? Married? At one point, Jacqueline says, you know, I'm done. And she's like, you know what? Mia, I'm fucking done with you. And then she starts getting up. Candace, like, she starts getting up like, oh, I'm about to do something. So Candace is desperately upset. No! Jacqueline, no! <laughs> Full drama for no reason. So Jacqueline keeps screaming that she's done with Mia because Mia sold her soul to the devil. And she starts crying and says, I fought you my entire life. You know, you would say this shit. I can't believe it. Like, Blah, blah, blah. Mia's just like boo get out of here sweeping her away with her hand Karen gets up and is like I'm not about to be in the middle of a fight again not doing this <laughs> she was in no line of fire Mia and Jacqueline are a good 75 feet away from each other but okay keep the ground home safe then Jacqueline starts screaming to Mia about I would never sleep with Gordon I would never sleep with your husband you know that Sharice is like, girl, nobody said anything about you sleeping with Gordon. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Candace is trying to smooth things over because she's going over to me and being like, girl, that's your friend. Go take her outside and talk to her like one-on-one. -on -one. But Mia's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Don't care. Not going to do it. Candace is still like, you know, like Jacqueline's clearly upset. And Mia's like, well... <laughs> That's how she treats me. So she's just going to have to sit there and be upset. Wendy's trying to comfort Jacqueline and say, girl, it's okay. I have a sister. I know how these things go. And then in a confessional, Wendy lets it 
out. She's like, girl, at this point, Mia has fought with me, Karen, now her best friend. This is some grimy shit. <clears throat> so Mia's now insistent. She's not going to be saying anything to Jacqueline. And Jacqueline's sitting there crying. She's like, you know, she's sitting here crying. Jacqueline's here crying and her kids are eating up all my food. And then Mia says in a confessional, look, I'm grateful to Jacqueline and her mom for bringing me in when I was a kid. But at this point, I just have to wonder, like, does Jacqueline look at me like an open bank account? I'm like, well, <laughs> well, you know, if you can't say if she's not coming up in her Porsche, then I'm not a good friend. And then also be like, you're using and abusing me. Create a boundary then. If you feel some type of way about it. But I also feel like this is just truly like Wendy's right. This is some grimy shit on Mia's behalf. I don't know what she's trying to do. Like trying to check Jacqueline or whatever. But these girls are not friends. These women are not friends. Jacqueline, find another friend. Because Mia's not one of them. I Buy yourself out of this Porsche situation. Give Gordon his down payment bag. Free yourself, girl. Because this ain't it. Because, like, when you mix finances into a situation, Mia now has a power and anything could be the tipping point. Anything Jacqueline does could now be like, oh, I do too much for you. You're using me. Anything like it, she it could be anything like it could be the smallest thing uh, like, you know, Jacqueline's sister calling and asking about her kids, you know, and all of a sudden we're fighting on an airplane on the way to Mexico. Don't do it. Anyway, Candace tells the rest of the ladies that what's going on between me and Jacqueline is a domestic issue and that the police say that that's a very dangerous situation and not to engage. So at this point, <laughs> Candace, how is she even making that funny? At this point, they decide, let's just call it. Karen says she's got another uh, surprise for everybody. So let's go on to that. So Candace says in a confessional, another surprise, girl, you got Ashley surprising us with her big ass forehead. You got me and Jacqueline surprising us with their domestic issues. I don't need any more surprises. But it turns out the surprise is a shaman, which Karen says in a confessional. Listen, I wanted the ladies to figure out their issues. So I Googled it and shaman popped up. Okay. <laughs> Candace and Giselle are skeptical to say the least. Candace like, I, what are we trusting some random man with some feathers to clean us with? What's going on? Giselle thinks we don't need this. We don't need the smoke. We don't need the feathers. I think we just need tequila. Ashley, of course, woo woo child having the time of her life, you know, letting all those emotions out, talking about her hopes and dreams and expectations for the future and everybody's holding hands. Sharice starts blabbering about, oh, you know, I wish everybody would stay happy because when you're happy, you don't have time for hate. Obviously, that's a shot at Karen. Karen says in a confessional, I don't know why this has been leprechaun, i.e. Sharice, keeps showing up looking for a fucking pot of gold, some coins, some food, friendship. Girl. <laughs> You know what we need on Beverly Hills? We need a comedy queen. I need somebody who's really going to like make us laugh. Because not once. Maybe maybe in the Kim years, but not once since then have I actually laughed at something somebody said. I mean, Dorit and the wind chimes, that was funny. But like, she didn't. She meant that shit, you know? I want somebody. I want a real comedy queen. Get Trixie Mattel and, and Vanderpump back on the show. Get Vanderbilt back on the show and have Trixie Mattel write her confessionals for her. I did it. Fixed it. Thank you. So we're done with the shaman. Everybody's trying to hug each other. Jacqueline's still crying behind her sunglasses. She doesn't want Mia to touch her at this point. Candace is actually trying to, you know, soothe Jacqueline in this moment. She's like, hey, girl, I know we didn't get along in the beginning. I did call you Mia's representative, but I actually don't like, I don't dislike Jacqueline. And frankly, I'm like really confused. I feel bad for Jacqueline because she seems very confused about uh, Mia's behavior right now. Like she's being embarrassed and Candace can recognize that that's not a good look. So everybody then goes to get ready for dinner that night. Robin's in her room. She finds her little gift bag. It's like, Oh look, you know, the bride to be veil. And she goes down on the balcony to go look at the view. Immediately flies off. 
down into the beach before she could even do a full 360 turn. So, oh no, it was so cute and now it's gone. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. Anyway, at dinner, Ashley uh, tells the rest of the ladies, she had a moment the other day where she was with Michael at Concrete City and I don't know, Michael was holding one of those precious babies that look like him in his lap and somehow they got to handhold and i don't know she acted like this was a sweet moment Ugh, imagine what that man's withered gnarled fingers look like and acting like you know probably stealing her youth through osmosis but anyway apparently this was like a sweet oh i don't know i'm questioning my relationship with michael i just feeling very unsure okay well good luck with that then Robin comes back to the table last, of course. She's like, oh, I got my veil, but wouldn't you know, it, it flew away. And Karen looks at her very deadpan and goes, I spent a lot of time shopping for that. But then Karen says in a confessional, well, <laughs> that veil just went, bye, bitch. You ain't getting married. We've been ha- hearing this for seven years, telling everybody's goddamn lie with this fake ass ring. What the hell? Even the veil needed to get the fuck out of that room. <laughs> I love her. How do you not? How do you not love Karen? <laughs> I'm a Ladam and I'm not a Robin. That's true. So Giselle then brings up how she got the flashlight because she wants a car from Mia, which Jacqueline did not like, by the way. <laughs> Candace starts bringing up how she had been talking about this earlier, how she's now having an intimate relationship uh, with her vagina and just checking it out, checking out the scene, making sure they're no changes happening and you know just seeing what it's like now before a baby comes crashing out of it she tells the ladies two seconds i thought i was pregnant a few weeks ago but not but in a few weeks i'm going to start my ivf journey again so giselle of course the operator decides to stir the pot between sharice and karen by first lying and bringing up oh Karen is mad at you, Sharice, because Sharice posted that video of Karen with her uh, boobs out because she was upset that she didn't get invited to Karen's, uh, you know, Grand Dame and Friends event. Apparently that's not true. But Karen goes, well, Giselle, that's what you told me. But Sharice is like, no, that's actually not true. I wasn't upset about that. So at this point, I, Kara, would be like, Giselle, why are you telling untruths to make it seem like I feel more about this person than I do? I just don't care. How about that? Leave me alone. Go home, Roger. So Karen tries to tell Sharice that what she's upset about with regard to the titty, excuse me, boob video is that they could have, that could have been an opportunity for Sharice to have like a fun little moment between the two of them. If she had just sent it to her herself, like just to Karen, but you put it in the group chat and you want to be petty. And that's like where she has an issue. Right. So then it gets into like Sharice claiming I'm fine with us not being friends. I just want you to Karen to be a woman and admit it instead of going to other people and talking shit about me. And Karen's like, let me make it clear. Nobody's talked about your ass in years, Sharice. And don't you question my womanhood. So then we really go off the rails because Sharice says, well, you're saying that I should have called you or texted you, but you didn't call me when I was going through my divorce or when I lost my father. And now we're going tit for tat. So Karen's telling Sharice, tell everybody what I did do with regard to your dad. And Sharice is like, well, what did you do? So Karen says, I texted you. I sent condolences. And that's all I could give you at that point because I had just lost my mom. So then Sharice says, oh, well, I drove and I went to your mom's funeral. And that's where Karen is like, Mm-mm. keep my mom's name out your fucking mouth and is over it. Giselle says in a confessional, she has no idea why she's watching this geriatric fight happen. But there's got to be some other bigger reason. Did Sharice sleep with somebody? Was it one of your men? Was it one of your boyfriends, Karen? I don't know. So they're like really getting nasty. I don't think we've seen Karen be this activated since, I don't know, probably 7,000 years ago, the last time she fought Sharice. And they're now going back and forth like it's Bad Girls Club across the table, pointing, 
but I don't get no sleep because of y'all. Y'all not going to get no sleep because of me. We're slamming our hands on the table. We're clapping. I mean, Hulk clapping. Somebody said Sharice was doing. <laughs> and they were right. So we got to see what happened next week, y'all. It's going to be mess. And I can't wait. All right. Let's move on to the finale of... Uh, it made me cry, you know, when you were like, I'm going to cash out my retirement accounts. I'm going to give you this money and this cash and put up these properties and... Well, sweetheart, you are innocent and I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'll tell you what, how can I enjoy life if things don't go right for you? You know what I'm saying? The trial has been pushed five times and... It's just like, wow, it's finally here. Like, this is, it, this is it. Like, it's really happening. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys agree or not, but I quite like the finale of Salt Lake City. Maybe it's because we wrapped up a lot of the bullshit and the rest of it was like a some sort of documentary of a woman who is lying through her teeth all the way to the courthouse until she makes a stunning turn and a change of plea. Uh, whew, we got to get into it. Okay. First of all, was the episode sponsored by Brooks Marks tracksuits? Because Seth is wearing it in the bed. All three of the women, Heather, uh, Meredith, and Jen are wearing them later. It was giving. It was giving. Um, so here's the thing. We start off with Heather and the ladies. They're getting ready for Heather's official party. She's going to be having that damn choir sing hymnals at people. And she is going to be revealing her book cover and I got a migraine immediately because I'm thinking okay that sets us up for another season of Heather struggling with her religion and how it relates to her family and her relationship to her family and oh my god now the book is gonna come out and what does that mean for my future and what does that mean I'm gonna be the the black sheep and what does that mean for me I can't do it enough i'm off the ride i can't do it you had me in the first two seasons but now i'm just kind of like i know that she has an estrangement with her mom but she doesn't really ever talk about it we only ever hear it in bits and pieces talk about that don't talk about you wondering what what your relationship is going to be with your cousins we see them they're there they seem perfectly fine being on camera and coming to the events that you invite them to they seem fine. So what's the struggle here? I don't know. Talk about your mama, you know? <laughs> like, if we're going to get into the mess, let's really do it. Otherwise, hush up. Y'all, maybe the black eye was this Mormon storyline the whole time, you know? Just seems like, yeah, I mean, it looks bad. But, like, how did it happen, you know? We're not. I feel like we're not getting the full story here. Like, there's a story. But I, are we getting the right one? I don't know. Whitney is telling Justin that she doesn't really understand the purpose of the party, but she does know that the choir is supposed to be performing and she has re respectfully declined and stepped down from her position, her whatever coveted position she was within Heather's fake choir. Um, but, you know, she will be attending to be a support to her girl. 
And also because it's their last filming obligation of the season. But anyway, when Lisa gets to the party, she goes up to Heather. She's like, oh my God, your eye. I notice your eye looks better. Your eye isn't so black anymore. Look at your eye. You can't even tell about your eye anymore. And so Heather goes, yeah, I mean, kind of hoping that my eye is kind of like the memory of the eye. Like it just disappears when you can't see it anymore. And Lisa goes, no, I actually don't think that's going to happen. I actually think it might be the topic of many conversations to come. And she was absolutely right about that. I'm struggling in my dislike of Lisa. I will say that. I, I can't say that I like her, but I'm struggling to dislike her. Because she really kills me in this upcoming scene with Angie and Whitney. Angie tells them that in the name of the upcoming Greek Easter, she's going to be confronting Jen. (laughs) Okay, you think that's going to be the weirdest part? (laughs) Not even close. So she tells us fairly, she heard through the grapevine from some dude named Jake that Jen has been telling people that Angie K is responsible for giving Heather the black eye. So now she's really pissed off. So Angie says, listen, I'm not going to have my name besmirched because of Jen. So Whitney asks Angie, like, why do you think Jen is doing this? And Angie thinks, honestly, I think Jen, I crossed the line with Jen. And once you cross the line with her, she's forever out to get you. We've all seen Jen be the aggressive one. So guess what? Everyone is saying that perhaps Jen and Heather were in their room doing Barbie scissor kicks and then Jen beat the shit out of Heather. <laughs> when he goes, wait, what are, what is a Barbie scissor kick? <laughs> Angie, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so Angie sets up this whole scenario. Like if we're going to talk some bullshit and we're going to tell lies then I'm just going to tell a lie. And my lie is that, Heather and Jen are in a room. They have a sexual relationship together and they're rubbing and they're bumping and they're romping. And, you know, maybe Jen gave her a black eye afterwards because maybe Jen's not that good in bed. I don't know. Who knows? Y'all, I have never seen Lisa laugh harder or Whitney look more confused. Like the aggression (laughs) to which Lisa was just cracking up. It really was so funny to me. (laughs) So then... Lisa's in a confessional. She's like, I don't understand how this would work. And she starts moving her arms about like, so like, would Heather be on top? Or like, is it like this? What does it look like? (laughs) So then Angie says in a confessional, you know, when two girls come together, naked, heels on, heels off. And, you know, at this point, she's doing the scissor motion you do with your fingers like for several seconds to the point where they could um, zoom in on Angie and you could hear... (laughs) If you listen closely, you can hear this. Can you hear that? (laughs) It was the sound of Angie's fingers rubbing together. Like they made sure to turn the music off so you could hear this. (laughs) What is going on? And if that wasn't embarrassing enough, I don't even want to talk about Chris Harrington. It gives me so badly. I was talking to Rachel of the Hollywood crime scene about this. We were tweeting to each other. How could you want to fuck this guy after? I I said this before, but I'll say it again. How? Like, literally, how? How do you go from watching your husband and having to put your arm around him and defend him? Because he can't even speak about the embarrassing thing he did. He can't even nut up and apologize. So he has to, like, that man sitting there in a tan linen suit, all choked up and looking at the ground. Because he can't even bear to look this other man in the eye and apologize to him for creating an Instagram account with, <laughs> like, I can't even say the words. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Like, Chris, Chris needs to go mow the lawn or something. Like, to take it from Nene Leake speeding to Peter, you need to stay out of women's business. And I'm not even like, I'm pretty ardent against like the men talking to women conversation and who can talk to who and what's appropriate, blah, blah, blah. But no, in this case, go to war. Okay. Write a novel, something, anything else. You know what? The next time I, I see Chris Harrington on, on television, he better be going on 60 days in because he needs to like figure out how the real world works because no, no. We're not doing this anymore. Thank God. Coach, 
gives him the break of a lifetime and me too, frankly, from having to watch this man snivel over a damn troll Instagram account. They shake, they hug. Angie speaks for the both of them. Angie's Mia's representative um, says, I'm really sorry to Jen. And they hug and make up. Heather is watching, or not Heather, Meredith is watching this from afar. And, you know, she didn't need to say anything. We all know this is wild. This is a wild scene. Then we get a full circle moment of Heather's choir, something that I don't think anybody needed. I think of all the storylines this season, that wasn't the one that we needed tightly wrapped up. But okay, we got it. Jen uh, was belting out, screeching Amazing Grace in a confessional at one point. Sure, that'll be of great use for her to any future um, talent shows that she might participate in between, I don't know, 2023 and 2029, 2030. Just a guess, anyway. What we should have gotten is this clip that I'm about to play now of Dana going the fuck off on Jen. So, uh, roll tape. Don't get in my face. If I were you, I'd be real nice right now, especially if you want some money in Bamboozled? That was in the trailer. Why didn't we get to see it? Doesn't make sense to me. And honestly, now knowing that Jen has been sentenced, they could have put that back in like last minute because it would have been a perfect moment because we know that bitch is guilty. So let's talk about it. Get a little jab in. Let's get into it. Is that mean? No, fuck her. She scammed all those people. I can be as mean as her getting about her getting convicted as I want to be. Sorry. Whitney tries to get some complaint in about Jen and they're trying to. Jen is genuinely trying to have a come to Jesus moment with Whitney. But Angie Kay's like, no, I want to talk to please. And and it's ready. I want to. I'm ready to speak to you. So whatever you had going on with Whitney before I walked in on this conversation and interrupted you, wrap it up. <laughs> she told her to wrap it up. Girl, you're never gonna be on TV again. But well, I was gonna say neither is Jen. I think you guys probably heard at this point that Andy said he's going to be hopefully um, having an interview with Jen this weekend, a one-on-one conversation. <laughs> About what? Like, what is she going to say? Am I going to be tuned in? Absolutely. But what is she going to say? What is she gonna, Is she going to go on and tell Andy Cohen, no shade, that she is guilty and exactly how she did it and what she did? No. So what are we going to talk about? She's going to cry. She's going to cry about Omar and the boys and Kosha. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened because I'm going to watch it. So whatever. So when Angie finally gets her screen time, she uses it to accuse Jen of lying about her suicide attempt. And Coach Shaw's right there and is like, I'm sorry, Angie, what are you saying? And then she has to flip the script real quick and be like, no, I'm not saying that she was lying about that. I was just wondering if she was lying about, you know, her feelings toward Angie H, which is basically a direct line to her attempting. But okay, Angie, I don't know what you were doing because <laughs> that wasn't it. Jen fortunately walks away with a security guard or a member of production. And then she and coach leave pretty quickly. And that was basically it. It is very clear that production just like, you know what? We got other stuff going on with this woman acting crazy in New York. So let's just get to that. 20, what? Seven minutes into the episode, maybe the earliest it's ever happened in uh housewives finale history. We get the, uh, end of slash where are they now freeze frame about where the ladies are any of it matter no let's move on the second half is all about jen and more specifically about her lying we start off with her uh sitting at the front porch with her mama lying in a very emotional scene right before she and coach uh head off to new york for the trial the trial's been pushed back five times at this point and that's it she's really a few days out from some from very scary information, right? Her poor mother. I mean, this really made me live it all over again. That poor woman is just adamant that Jen is innocent. This could have been a scene out of the damn Godfather. Her mom looks at her and goes, I know that you're innocent. And you know that too, right, Jen? The way Jen could not even look her mother in the eye She could not make eye contact with her mom. And instead of saying, yeah, I am innocent, mom, she starts to get emotional and is just like, you know, I just wish dad was here right now. You know, I would just feel so much better, which to me 
is, uh, I fucked up. And I'm also the one who's been bankrolling this whole family. So at least, uh, if my dad were still around, there would at least be somebody to pick up the pieces, but there's not. Uh-oh. But her mom doesn't catch on to it, or maybe she chooses not to. Who's to say? And she gives her this very heartwarming and undeserving speech about how, Jen, your ancestors are always with you. In the Hawaiian and Tongan culture, we always believe that you can just call on your ancestors and they'll be right by you. So as soon as you are about to enter into that courthouse, you call on to your ancestors and they'll be there. And I'm, in my mind... I'm thinking her ancestors are up above being like, "Mm -mm, get somebody else to do it, girl. We know Mm -mm, I'm busy. I got a pinochle game or something. Um, Can't make it busy. Sorry. Pickleball just got real popular up here. So we got a whole tournament going. Sorry, girl. We're busy. (laughs) Anyway, Jen, E that evil. Jen says in a confessional, you know, my mom's been so supportive and I just don't say thank you enough. Which is absolutely fucking right. Because I think for my own health, I keep forgetting that last season, Jen's mom had this conversation with Jen on camera telling her, oh, I gave up my, I cashed out my retirement fund. I sold properties because I am so sure of your innocence. And how could I sleep at night? How could I enjoy my life knowing that you would be um, sentenced for something that you shouldn't be? Oh my God. Oh my God. I the, the idea that this woman worked however long and however hard she did to earn that money and cash it out on her child who does not deserve it at all. I mean, it's just like double, like a fucking triple whammy. <laughs> like I'm broke. I believed in my kid of all people and they fucked up and now I'm broke because of it and they're going to be in jail. Whew. I don't know how she deals with that. God bless her. Low key, somebody might should start a GoFundMe for Jen's mom to get her retirement fund back. Mm. So after that, Jen and Coach Shaw drive and on the way to the airport to New York, whichever editor graduated from NYU film school, they put your whole pussy in this retrospective of Jen starting from her getting at call in the beauty lab and laser and looking really quickly at that uh, GoPro in the corner. Like, oh shit um to the several proclamations of her screaming in various people's faces that she's innocent all those motherfuckers are gonna have to apologize to me once they find out that i was right Ugh, the conversation she just had with her mom where she couldn't look her in her eye about you're innocent right jen Oh my God, the string music that's being played like a fucking uh, season finale of succession, the sweeping uh, skylines, the landmarks of New York's, the them getting into the lote, the lo, la, latte, I don't know, the palace, we call it the palace, the palace hotel, the gorgeous hotel. She's looking out the window, like the Batman villain that she is. Of course, I had to be petty and look up how much that uh, room costs per night. And I couldn't get the exact room, but it's looking about, at this point, uh, eleven to $1,200 a night. <clears throat> For what it's worth, those rooms at the hotel range from anywhere between like 400 to 15 G's a night. And that's, I mean, we're in January, right? This is like the dead season. Um, girl, just, I just want to let the record reflect that that woman spent at least $1,200 a night at this hotel before she pled guilty to knowingly scammingly elderly people. I mean, whew. Oh, and also a fun fact, that is the hotel that uh, Serena lived in in the early years of Gossip Girl. The one that, uh, what's-his-face, took over Chuck Bass. So, fun fact for all of you Gossip Girl heads. Anyway, then we see Heather and Meredith. So They show up in New York. They're both in their uh, various Brooks Marks tracksuits. And Meredith says in a confessional that this is a time where you rise to the occasion for your friend. Whoever that is. <laughs> Heather? Is it Heather? Because not Jen. So Heather tells Meredith right before she left she had a pretty deep conversation with Jen. Like the most serious conversation they've ever had. And we see a flashback where Jen is telling Heather like I'm about to ask you something real serious. Like I'm for real. 
if the worst thing happens, can you check on Coach Shaw? Can you check on the boys and just let them know that I love you? That I love them. Sorry, that I love them. And I thought that was like kind of dark. Like, they'll be able to speak to you, right? (laughs) Let me move on. Heather and Meredith go into Jen and Coach Shaw's suites. They all sit down and Heather's like, how are the boys doing? And Coach says, listen, we've had some pretty painful conversations recently. Then we see another flashback of two days before. So right before they left for New York, Omar's in the kitchen, Coach Shaw's sitting there, Jen's there. And he's like, listen, if you're found guilty, if the worst happens, we need to be able to talk about that. So, I mean, I've got some thoughts here. I have some thoughts, but coach at this point anyways, remaining uh, optimistic and saying we're prepared for whatever. And if the worst happens, we know that God's got our back and this is all meant to be. Okay. Okay. So then Jen and coach go to visit their lawyer. We don't see that, but what we do see is Heather, Meredith and Seth going to lunch. Meredith tells Seth that coach is real worried. And that he's been pouring over all the files for the case. We have to remember that Coach Shaw used to be a lawyer. So, you know, he knows what's going on. And that she saw him, you know, just got his glasses on, looking through the laptop, going through all this stuff. They got the list of the witnesses. Uh, They got lists of, or excerpts rather, of what these witnesses are going to be saying. So at this point, Heather starts dropping some hints that there's, a strain that she's noticing going on between coach and Jen. They're playing the scene perfectly, like explaining to the audience, because of course, duh, Seth and Meredith have had like probably 7,000 conversations about all of this. But Seth is like acting like he's never heard, never had one conversation with his lawyer wife about her friend that's uh, about to go to jail. Right. So he goes, well, so Basically, what is Jen fighting for? So Meredith has to explain, this isn't a case of uh, whether or not the scheme happened. It happened. It's a case of, it's a matter of Jen proving whether or not she was involved, or at least to like what level, right? So then Seth straight up asks either of them, Heather or Meredith, have you asked Jen if she's guilty? And again, it's like, of course he's asked, They've, he, of course he knows the answer to this, from Meredith at least. So their answers to this are so funny to me. Not funny, haha, just funny, um, interesting. So Heather says she's still like on this ride or die shit, right? And like, you know, when your friend looks at you in the eyes and says, I'm innocent, you're going to support them and take I, whatever path they take. I'm with you. So Meredith puts on her lawyer wig and says, you know, if in fact Jen is guilty and she doesn't take accountability to the victims of what she did, That's a real big problem for me. So then Meredith says. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. In a confessional, listen, when all this is said and done and Jen is able to talk freely about what's going on, I would love to have that conversation with her. But while there's an open case pending, all that's going to do is put me in a position where I could end up being questioned. And I don't have any interest in that. Amen, girl. Later, Meredith and Heather meet up with Jen. And now Jen is post uh, lawyer. She's seen everything. She's now seen what? Stu Chains has said, and she's pissed. 
air quotes, right? She's oh, playing this role. And you can tell Meredith knows what's going on at this point. So she tells them, I've read all the accusations that he leveled against me. And Stuart is a piece of fucking shit. And he can play the little I'm Stuart Smith role. But no, bitch, you're an evil motherfucker. And you played me. And I wouldn't even be in this thing at all if it wasn't for Stuart. Stuart fucking played me. <laughs> of course, we see a flashback. Thank you, editors, of, uh, you know, Stuart and Jen in, in happier times uh, where she's feeding him a banana. He's on the laptop typing and scamming away and saying, oh, you know, we're adding more people. I'm just going to get another second pass out or something. And then they high five. And she's like, yeah, just keep eating and, and keep typing. Work, Keep working, bro. <laughs> okay, girl. So Jen goes on to say that Stuart has been proclaiming Jen is innocent all this time until he pled guilty. And then she saw what was in his papers and she was like, oh, okay. Now I know what's going on behind my back. Mm -hmm. Heather says in a confessional, I can hardly believe what Jen is saying. This is a steward who went and got her snacks and, uh, you know, planned her waxing appointments and would go to the store and get her tampons. But he's also running this scheme and framing her and she doesn't know? Okay. What Meredith says, very tactical, really another Godfather moment. Doesn't say anything while Jen's ranting and raving about how uh, Stuart has screwed her over and she's uh, totally innocent. She's who framed Roger Rabbit, right? She goes, you know, we all know how the world works and karma's out there. And I always say the people who do bad things suffer their own being every day and Jen is like you know what you're right <laughs> and Meredith doesn't say anything after that <laughs> and I picked up on that girl I know so then in a confessional um Jen says there's so much that I wish I could say to the public I'm tired I'm really tired so the producer pipes in and goes Jen so are you ready to tell us the real story now and she just kind of stares in the distance so the scene with the ladies ends with them in a group hug with each other and the screen just fades to black, freeze fame, full drama. So then when we come back, the last we see of Jen is uh, her walking out of the courthouse and people yelling, uh, Jen, any comments on your guilty plea? Jen, guilty. Why did you plead guilty, Jen? <laughs> and then we never see her again. She gets into that car and then six and a half years. Six and a half years, as we all found out. So the season ends with Heather and Lisa. <clears throat> They're meeting up for lunch. Heather just got back from New York. And Lisa's like, oh my God, it's just been so surreal since Jen pled guilty. And I'm just angry and I'm sad and I'm confused. And I'm just like, wow, this is who she is. So then Heather says she is overwhelmed with grief. And, you know, they're victims in this situation. Their friend's going away for a decade. She's got Omar. He's only 16 at this point. And Lisa starts to get emotional. She's like, you know, I thought about that. I was crying about that all day because I was thinking about what Jen said about not seeing Reefy be able to, uh, you know, get married. And, and we see this where she's screaming like, I'm to see Omar graduate and blah 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 and it's like why are you screaming at us girl you're the one who did this that's not our fault anyway um so then Lisa asks Heather like how did you feel when you read what Jen said and then part of the court transcript comes up where Jen says I knew the purchases of these ser services um were misled I knew this was wrong I know there are many people harmed and I'm so sorry Heather says she was shocked and that what Jen pled guilty to is real bad, real, real bad. And the fact that she's been taking it this far and she went this long and proclaimed her innocence the whole time. The only thing that she can think is that Jen thought she was going to get away with it. And then when she realized she finally couldn't, her story changed. So then Lisa goes, well, what do you think happened to make Jen not want to fight? So Heather goes, okay, I have a theory. I think... The coach discovered what Jen was doing and told her, this is not going to be something you're going to get away with. It will be impossible to explain away. There was something in that witness statement that they just couldn't get out of. It was a smoking gun and the gig was up. So then she 
kind of, I don't know, I was a little confused about where she was going with this. She, to me, kind of threw Coach Shaw under the bus and was like, you know, if I knew what was going on with my partner and I knew what was about to happen, I would just be like, listen, I'll take care of the kids. I got this for 15 years or so and I'll catch you on the other side. So what what is she saying here? Like, what are, what are you implying? Where are you implying that Coach Shaw, at what point did you think, you know, excuse me, <laughs> at what point do you think Coach Shaw knew that she was guilty? I don't know. That's a question I really want to know because as somebody who has a history in law, this is your wife. You're probably looking, he's probably been looking at these case files this whole time, I would think. And I know that they're only privy to so much information at so much time. And yeah, Heather's probably right. Like he finally got all the information that he needed and told her like, girl, give it up. (laughs) Just plead guilty. It might be better for you at this point. But what I really want to know is what made Heather think that? What did Heather see? Like, let's expand on that. What did Heather see in New York that made her think that there was a strain between coach and Jen and that he saw something and told her, just cut the crap. You know, that's what I want to know. But we didn't get into it. What we did, and it was actually pretty funny. Um, Lisa trying to eke out a tear about Jen. I didn't see one, did you? I, I mean, I've watched it twice now. I didn't see any. But anyway, I love that. <laughs> that's it. That's it with uh, The Real Housewives. It looks like there is not going to be... Is there only going to be a one-part finale? God, I hope so. Um, But that will be airing on the 25th of January. So I'm not sure what they're going to be doing next week. But what I think I'm going to be doing in the Friday episode is talk about the three-part series that's being released on ID Channel and also Discovery Plus. It's airing Monday um, called The Price of Glee. Mm, Yeah. I I hope it's good so I have something to talk about. But yeah, that'll be in place of Friday's episode. And I will be talking about Potomac on Wednesday. So get ready for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.